I believe it was an earthquake in Haiti, which was probably about 2010 or 2008, somewhere along in there. And, you know, every time you come, I learn something new about the Red Cross. I, I always think I've got it down. Okay, this is what we'll talk about tonight with Barry. <laughs> but there's always something new. And there are so many things to talk about that there really is no shortage. But uh, I thought of you, Barry, and this will give you an opening to something that, that I, I do know you like to talk about. And that is, uh, there, it's been in the news recently, uh, that uh, and, and on WPTF news, that uh, there was a fire that uh, I think burned down some apartments or something uh, that uh, a large number of NC State students were involved in. I think I, I remember the, the number approaching 90 or something like that. And I know one of the things that happens at fires usually is that right behind the firefighters and the police is the Red Cross with some blankets, some coffee, and the question about where where are these people going to stay tonight? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, single family and multifamily fires are the most common disasters that the Red Cross responds to. Tom, I mean, that's not just um, here in eastern North Carolina, but across the U.S. On average, the uh, um, seven people a day die in home fires, and we in eastern North Carolina go to five. Uh, we've been going to five different incidents uh, per day. Uh, in the month of March, and then yesterday, wow, we get one incident with 95 students, mostly students from NC State, uh, impacted. So our, our volunteers responded in the midst of the COVID pandemic after fire officials alerted us to come to the scene, to get to the scene. We're there to provide care, comfort, and financial resources. We partnered with NC State and their leadership there who could also come along and provide because it was student um Students, not student housing, but student uh, impacted. And so, working with our partner over at NC State, uh, we're working with the individuals. The complex is trying to relocate them, and NC State's trying to relocate them. But this is an everyday occurrence, typically for five families in my service area every day. And so, we're there with uh, direct financial assistance to help them to buy uh, groceries new clothing, to pay for rent, to pay uh, temporary housing, to provide um, replacement medicine for essential medicines that people lose in the fire, provide, you know, that basic need of Maslow's food, shelter, clothing uh, each and every day. And it's, um, it's one of the things that people think about if it happens to them or to a neighbor and they witness it, but it isn't something that they think of that we are typically going to. They often think of the large-scale hurricane, uh, the tornadoes, the earthquake in Haiti, like you mentioned, but the Red Cross each and every day is in the community, and we respond on average to five incidents like that, but yesterday's was significant. Glad to have the partnership of the Raleigh City Fire and the NC State Resources to help these uh, students uh, relocate, find where they can go, because there were a number of students, as you mentioned, displaced. And our volunteers were great to be on scene and to be there working with these students. Well, since uh, often the Red Cross is there, but it sort of operates, uh, sometimes I want to say in the background, uh, uh, the, the, another thing that is not known about the Red Cross, I think generally, is that it was uh, established as a part of the, or in relation to the International Red Cross, which was which came first, uh, it was established in the middle of the 19th century. But when it was uh, established in the United States, ultimately it got a, uh, a, 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 
we're looking for the word. It begins with an M now. Uh, uh, a uh, a charge from the the government of the United States to do yeah, we're congressionally chartered a mandate. I think is the mandate. Word. That's <laughs> the word I was looking for. And, and but the thing that's interesting is that, uh, it's like a lot of mandates. It's it's the job that the Red Cross is is in, endorsed to do, but it is not the Red Cross is really not a part of the government, and there are no funds federal funds, you know, appropriated by the Congress to do these things. That, uh, yeah, that's absolutely true, Tom. And it's, a, it's one of those things because you see the Red Cross emblem on the side of military trucks. You see it on the USS uh, Naval Ship Comfort. Uh, you see it if you watch the MASH on the 10th. Uh, you see it on the armbands of military medics. And it's because of international humanitarian law that that um, use exists for the military that indicate that those men, women, uh uh, wearing that emblem, under that emblem, or providing humanitarian care and not involved in the combat. Uh, but because of that, and then when a major disaster happens, we'll be standing alongside county emergency managers, state uh, emergency government officials, even the governor will mention the Red Cross often in his statements about how we're responding uh, to a disaster. And folks then connect dots, thinking, oh, they must be a part of the government and get that financial support. And as you mentioned, we're an unfunded mandate uh, who is supposed to raise funds, raise awareness, and deliver the services uh, supported by the American people with contributions of time, uh, money, and now, because of modern medicine, uh, blood since the 1940s. Okay, let, hold on. That, that I was going to say, there's a little tease there. Because that's our next subject, but it's going to be after the break. But uh, this is, as I remember in the years past, we, we, you've always come to visit us early in the year because when school came back in, as they used to say, when people started going to schools, one of the things that you folks did was uh, cooperate with universities, colleges, etc., among other things, to have blood drives. And those have been kind of uh, moved around a little bit or don't exist because of the kind of well, you can tell us the story of this and what the needs are and so on. That's a little bit of a radio tease right there, Barry, and we'll talk about All right, blood that'll be fine. and collecting it when we come back. American Red Cross, the Triangle and Eastern North Carolina chapters, and uh, we're talking today about, uh, or tonight, about uh, going zone at the Red Cross. This is a time of year in which there a lot of activities are, are being engaged in because of the changing of the seasons and we're moving toward uh, uh, summertime when the hurricanes arrive, etc. There's a lot going on, but one of the things that is of, of importance, of great importance, uh, that, that goes on that the Red Cross uh, uh, spear, spearheads is uh, the collection of blood. I think they they collect, very. I'm thinking about 40 or 45 percent of the blood that's collected in the United States. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Correct, Tom. And so, um, you know, I was even talking to um, uh, your producer who was talking um, about he and his getting ready to donate blood uh, coming up this week. And it's an important act because every two seconds in the United States, because of our health care system, uh, someone gets a blood transfusion. It could be red cells, the oxygen carrying capability, the plasma, which has uh, been in the news lately with uh, antibody rich plasma from patients recovering from COVID how they might help or just plasma for burn victims and then platelets, which are the clotting factors. So really an important 
generous act that can only be done from one person's arm uh, to another person in the hospital. Uh, the raw material is not chemical compounds like a pharmaceutical would do. Our raw material is another human being that has the motive in their heart to take an hour out of their day to think about donating blood uh, to help someone else in need. And I was talking to Mrs. Kearney at dinner this evening about the different things that, you know, not just blood to blood, because we began the conversation by talking about the fact that last year, about a year ago, I I broke my leg and was in the hospital, and I think I ended up getting two pints of blood. I don't know where they came from, but but it was at Rex Hospital anyway, and and I forgot to tell you the story about that, but uh, in any event... uh, uh, and I was saying, and that's one of the things that Barry and I are going to be talking about tonight is, is but, but not just about transfusions and things like that, but all the other products, the, the platelets uh, and phoresis, uh, is that the right yeah, word? That's the, that's the actual Greek word for the extraction of uh, the uh, plasma or platelets uh, from the um, uh, red blood cells because you when uh, you, you see a bag of blood donated, you know, uh, into the unit. It's, it's got all of the cells mixed together along with the water, which is plasma-based, uh, and then the other uh, minor cells in the uh, river of life flowing through your veins and delivering oxygen and carrying carbon dioxide away, all the things that blood does to give us the, the heart-pumping uh, muscle energy that blood delivers to the uh, cells in the body through the exchange of oxygen. Uh, and so all of that is in Important, but it's in different components. And a unique part of that, Tom, is that um, the technology and the idea to do that, we just came out of celebrating uh, Black History Month. One of the key leaders in discovering that uh, capability was Dr. Charles Drew, who was an African-American. He was the first medical director of the American Red Cross Blood Program back in 1940s. Uh, and he helped to devise the process for separating that apheresis, that uh, process of separating red cells uh, from the plasma, and that technique is still used today to save hundreds of lives, to extend lives today uh, from his um, impact uh, 80 years ago as an African-American. And then, of course, um, his um, legacy is his daughters continue as physicians as well, uh, and I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting them. And so just to a great contribution to modern medicine is the act of donating blood one person to another. Isn't there, is this the, the, the process or the place, I believe there's one, one part of the use of blood where the product that is needed is taken out of the blood, but the, the red parts are returned to the person who gave them, and it's, it's a Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's that phoresis process okay. that you're talking about. Uh, a person can also donate double the red cells. That's a very key component of what we also um, ask some people who have um, enough uh, hemoglobin, uh, iron count, and they are um, a bigger individual in terms of body size, we can actually take two red cell donations and put the plasma back, whereas also, as you mentioned, we can take the plasma out and put the red cells back. But the reason these double reds, as they're called, double red cells are important Again, that minimizes the number of different uh, transfusions that a patient might have to receive. As an example, uh, Tom, sickle cell anemia disease or sickle cell disease, uh, patients uh, who suffer from that may get over the course of the year up to 100 
blood transfusions uh, because of that disease. And uh, yeah. the key part of that is um, we need African-American donors in increasing numbers right. to meet that need. I was going to say, uh, that's a, a disease that's more prevalent among African-Americans. So, And, you know, one of the, I was I mentioned to Mrs. Kearney and I were talking about this, and she's been puzzling over her blood type. I don't think she's ever had a type that she's aware of. Um, and and because of the, I, I used to have a card that it indicated how many pints I had given, and it had O negative. And I think is that the universal donor? That was my yes, type. that's absolutely right. So if you were you were O negative, we we uh, kept you on speed dial because that is indeed the universal <laughs> donor. Uh, that it means basically um, no blood type, meaning you don't have A present on your antigen or on your red cell. A antigen don't have B present. Uh, on your red cell and the Rh factor are um, not present, and so your red cell could then go to someone whose body didn't have to recognize uh, a foreign substance, if you will. And so, O negative, especially in emergency situations, is what a physician will order. Keeping in mind that blood is a prescribed medicine; a doctor must order it, just like he would order, uh, you know, a shot uh, for the flu or something for you. And when he or she uh, makes that order, the only um, way that person it comes from is another human being. And that's been the challenge in this pandemic. Uh, as you mentioned, normally during this time of year, we start having pretty good drives because high schools are in session, universities are in session, student bodies are there, they can come into large congregate settings for a blood drive. We don't have that option uh nearly what we did every year. And so we're really uh, challenging enough donors coming to us since we can't go to them. Are, the, are there going to be any blood drives in the immediate future that we should know about, or how can we keep yeah, up with that? Yeah, absolutely. As an example, there's one at St. Francis uh, Church here in Raleigh on Saturday. You can go online to redcrossblood.org, and, uh, again, that's redcrossblood dot org and um, type in your zip code and typically uh, in a day across eastern North Carolina all the way from Greenville to Jacksonville to Wilmington to Fayetteville back to Raleigh Durham area we operate about 10 to 12 blood drive or blood collection opportunities a day you can find those uh, you know the closest one to you the best way to do it to these days is to schedule an appointment uh, so that we know you're coming because with COVID, uh, we have to take certain precautions. We want to space people out. We don't want to have uh, folks congregating uh, much at all. Uh, everyone's wearing masks. We're doing temperature checks, all those safety protocols, and then keeping people apart, wiping down every instrument, every bed uh, after a, a donor vacates uh, that donation site. Uh, and it's a routine. And so Knowing you're coming is really important. You can schedule that appointment. We'll take a few walk-ins, but really that appointment based on makes it an impact uh, and allows us to plan accordingly to keep our volunteers, our staff, and the donor all safe in this current environment we're all operating in. Can, can we pause here for a couple of minutes because we need to check the news, okay? No, Very sure. important with the American Red Cross, uh, Eastern North Carolina chapters. We're going to check the news, and then we'll be back. 9.33, almost 9.34, WPTF Tom Kearney. 
on a Tuesday night, I believe it's, uh, let me see, March 21st, 22nd, March 23rd, and uh, Barry Porter of the American Red Cross, uh, uh, the, the Triangle Chapters and, and the Eastern Region of uh, the, the Tar Heel State, and we were talking about uh, uh, an important subject about blood and blood collections and uh, why the, uh, there is a special need, uh, the collection process has been a little bit dislocated uh, by uh, the uh, COVID uh, problem. And I'm sure there are, there are other, other things, scheduling, that have to be done about that. Barry, I'm going to pass the ball back to you and see where we need to go from here. Sure, because, um, you know, you're mentioning the idea, Tom, of uh, colleges and universities and about 20 to 20 of the entire blood supply of the country comes from blood drives held at high schools and universities. And this is the perfect time of year, March, April, before graduation, before finals, and things happen that we normally schedule a significant number of blood drives. And one of the top blood drives in the country is at Fike High School. Do you happen to know where Fike High School is, Tom? I believe it's in Wilson, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Just just east, and can you imagine that one of the largest blood drives uh, held at a high school in the entire U.S. is held at Spike High School in the town of Wilson, North Carolina, and normally they do about 650 donors because the students are there, the community comes in, it's a big community event, uh, but because of the environment we're in, the number of uh, staff that we could put there, social distancing, all the things that have to be done to make sure it's safe in a COVID environment, that uh, there's no risk of, uh, you know, disease transmission in the blood donation process. We got just over 200 donors this year. So you can see that the challenge we have of finding new blood drives, new opportunities. So if a listener's out there and has a, a church that they go to, they're a part of a social club or an activity that's still gathering, and they would like to explore if it's safe to give uh, blood and to set up a blood drive, you need about 800 to 1,500 square feet of space. Uh, this got air conditioning, access to you know running water facilities and uh, bathroom facilities. We'll come in, set things up, make it safe. So if there's anyone listening that has those kind of facilities that they could offer, where we could set up and then invite people to come to us, it's a it's an important aspect of what we could ask the community to help us to do. Because the closer we can get to donors, the more likely our donors are to come in and make a blood donation. Well, I'm just, where my hometown is just down the road, about 25 miles from Wilson, and as a card-carrying Eastern North Carolinian, uh, uh, I can say I'm, I'm proud of them, and I hope that uh, others in that area of the world will respond to your entreaties and uh, come forth with Yeah, please, please do, and, you know, they can simply send me an email to barry.porter at redcross.org. I'll put them in touch with my team that uh, helps to coordinate uh, the 10 to 12 blood drives a day we do to meet uh, blood needs in our area, uh, and then we can uh, work with them to find out what the, the details are and host a, host a drive, because when we're talking about this, Tom, we often use, you know, Red Cross, Red Cross. Well, the Red Cross doesn't need blood. Uh, we're the conduit that connects the donor to a patient battling cancer, recovering from a trauma, surgery, or other illness, like what happened to you and you said earlier you needed to yeah. um, have some units of blood because of injury, uh, and the Red Cross is that conduit. We don't need the blood. 
hospital patients do who are trying to recover, sustain, and uh, save their lives. And the thing that I've, it's interesting to me as a, as, a, as a kind of a historian is that we have developed all kinds of um, chemical manufacturers of first one thing and another, uh, but we have not figured out how to make blood yet. So we've got to get no, it. They, 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 they worked on it for, you know, for battlefield conditions, things of that nature, but blood is uh, the red cells, the clotting factors, the, the, the suspension in, you know, plasma, which is 95% water. All those things are well designed within our bodies uh, to meet a particular purpose, and so uh, it's very difficult for the labs to replicate everything that a blood transfusion can do. They can find things that can deliver the oxygen, but then they, that same chemical cannot remove the carbon dioxide from our cells. And so, just a, a, a wonderful gift of giving a blood donation, one from another. But Tom, only about four to 5% of healthy Americans who could give blood do so when about 37% of Americans are age-aligned, uh, health-aligned, and eligible to donate blood. Uh, but uh, more people can give blood than those who do. And one thing, I, I think I'm right about this. I'm be beginning to practice medicine without a license, and and uh, you, you, <laughs> you, you, I'm not a, on the staff of the Red Cross either, but... Uh, is that uh, the uh, the blood uh, is easy, your body replaces is what I'm trying to say. There's there's nothing to be afraid of. I, yeah, I absolutely. I was you know, we we couldn't collect a blood donation if, or only maybe we'd only get it from a person one time. But uh, our body produces red blood cells in our bone marrow constantly and recycles them out of the body. They they wear out after about 120 days in your body. And so uh, if we snapped our fingers. At that instant, uh, and counted, and I don't know who did this, it's got to be a mathematical formula, but it's not a count, but there's about a trillion red cells in the average adult body. And 120 days from that snap of my fingers, that uh, we went back and looked, every one of the blood cells that uh, were in your body at that moment would be gone and replaced by new blood cells. So that recycling that our body does is um, very important to us to be able to then take a donation, tell the person to, to double up on their fluids, don't skip any meals, don't wait, don't uh, lift anything heavy, uh, take it easy for four to six hours, then you're fine, you're right back to normal within a few days of blood cell counts and plasma counts, and you're ready to um, give blood again eight weeks later. So it's a very safe process but a very much needed process, one person to another. We, we used to do at times, and they still, may sometimes still do it, but remote from, from blood collections. And I've given at least two pints while lying on two different gurneys, so, you know, with the, with the needle in my arm and doing a live, live, live broadcast. I had forgotten about that until I began thinking about it during supper tonight when we were talking about it. But it was, it, uh, and then I, I got to, the chance to get the cookies and the orange juice, I believe, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, now, now we'll give you a maybe an Amazon gift card, T-shirt. Uh, you know, you can get a currently you can get a uh, COVID antibody test to see if you've been exposed to the virus. Uh, anything to encourage folks to come in, but not so much to encourage them that they won't be uh, truthful, right, in their donation process because it is a voluntary act. 
but it is very important that every unit of blood we take is safe to take it from the donor and then safe to give it to the patient. So as we mentioned early on in the conversation, Tom, every two seconds in America, somebody's getting a blood transfusion. So in the time we'll do here, both with commercials and direct conversation, that's a, a 60 minutes, that's 30. Uh, so in, in a minute, it's 30. So about 1,800 blood transfusions will occur during in the United States during this conversation, during this hour of your show. Well, before we take a little break here and, and, and talk about some other things, uh, I want to say I hope your your offices and your collection centers are overrun by people who heard you on WPTF or some other place. Uh, but anyway, and have come to give blood and uh, uh, will help fill up the, the places that are open because of, I think you said normally you get 800 uh, a pint from Pike High School, and then and, and you got just 200 this year, and, and I'm sure that that is mirrored by other places like that. But that people will will try to fill in the the, the missing pints here and there. Uh, we need we we do need to stop and uh, take a break here, and we can come back. And, and there are always a lot of things that that are going on at the Red Cross that maybe are not quite as important but are, are still important nevertheless, and then also the opportunity to, to uh, uh, I think, the opportunity to volunteer. I always think that the people that answer your phones on Pear Tree Lane are volunteers, and they are very competent. Are, are they volunteers? Is, is yes, that that's okay? correct. They are volunteers. Uh, you know, in our uh, place, our volunteers outnumber us about 65 to 1 in terms of number of volunteers we have to the number of paid staff. So, Absolutely, those are volunteers, and they do great work from answering the phone to responding to disasters to setting up the uh, blood drives to teaching first aid and CPR classes. Just a, a wonderful number of things that volunteers can do through the Red Cross. We'll talk some more about that and about the Red Cross with Barry Porter right after we take this break on WPTF. 948. WPTF, we have about eight minutes left here to round up some other activities and things about the American Red Cross. Uh, I, I, I like for Barry to come and visit us a couple of times a year because I think what what's affecting the Red Cross, such as the COVID situation and uh, being able to do certain things, uh, well, but in a different way and collecting blood and so on, uh, is kind of indicative of, of American society. It's kind of a barometer, and it also gives folks a, a chance to find out about uh, some things that uh, the Red Cross does that they may not may not recognize. And uh, I want to come back to the question of how people can get in touch with, with Barry Porter and the people at the Red Cross. So if they want to volunteer or if they want to donate, uh, I know Mrs. Kearney and I always try to make... Uh, uh, a donation, if no no other time, at the time for special donations when there's been a hurricane. And we lucked up last year, at least in this part of the world, although, Barry, probably you could talk a little bit about Louisiana if you wanted to uh, in terms of, of volunteering and so on. But uh, in any event, I, I remember a number of years ago, in fact, it was 25 or 30 years ago when my dad was very ill and I had to call... Uh, the Red Cross to do something that we forget that they do, and that is if if you're if you have a member of your family or something that's in the military and they're stationed overseas somewhere, and you would need for them to come home for whatever reason. My father was ill, and my mother wanted my sister to come home. But anyway, I was I was not was trying to get, not to get that to happen, but to stop it from happening because it, 
it really wasn't appropriate at that time. But I called the Red Cross, and I think a guy named Gene Simmons helped me out. I don't know if he worked there, Barry, when you did, but uh, that's another thing that the Red Cross does that we forget that they do. Yeah, absolutely. Each and every day, you know, the, the, the ideas and the concept of international humanitarian law and service and support to the military uh, Red Cross um, mandate, also under that um, congressional mandate that we provide programs and services to the United States military, including emergency communication like you just described, Tom, and, uh, and, and unfortunately about 10 to 12 times a day in our region, not across the country, in eastern North Carolina, this listening audience tonight, we have military families who connect with us and say, I've got that kind of crisis, that kind of family emergency, just like you described, and I need to find my son or daughter in um, uh, Korea, in Japan, in Djibouti, Africa, wherever. And right now, I have a staff member. Her name is Deb Moore, and she is actually deployed not as a U.S. military personnel, but as an American Red Cross personnel to be in country in Baghdad, Iraq, to help with those messagings and to work with the commands during those emergency situations. And so it is a very prevalent service, a very uh, important service to get military families connected, get men and women homed uh, in crisis like you were describing with your sister. And we're proud that Deb was sent because of her training and expertise deployed there um, back at the end of January and will be in Baghdad till um, uh, August. Uh, serving our men and women uniform uh, in the Middle East. And uh, so you're right, it's a, a key service. And then we have our volunteers at Fort Bragg, at the hospitals, at the clinics on the Naval uh, Station, at the hospital over at Camp Lejeune. Red Cross volunteers in interacting every day with our men and women in uniform and then our veterans as well in the community. Let's go back uh, I, for a moment uh, to the point of, Telephone numbers, websites. Uh, I, it seems to me, as I remember, that that uh, if you work with the websites, you can deal with the question of making donations and also finding out about volunteer opportunities and so on. Am, am I not right about that? Oh, absolutely. And tomorrow, um, March 24th, is our seventh annual Giving Day, a day aligned in the month of March where we celebrate the uh, work of the American Red Cross as a uh, organization that's been in the United States for over 130 years. Uh, and so online, you can do three things in all. You could join in with Giving Day. You can schedule a blood donation appointment. And you can click on the link to say, how can I become a volunteer and give my talent and time to help deliver these programs we've been talking about? So at redcross.org, if you want to just find our one, uh, organization, it would be redcross.org forward slash ENC for Eastern North Carolina. However, if you just go to redcross.org and type in your zip code, it will direct you to our website, and you can find out all those things, how to give on Giving Day and make a small financial donation because they all add up. Schedule a blood drive appointment at those 10 to 12 blood drives we have, or click on the volunteer link and find out how to join over 4,000 Eastern North Carolinians in volunteering with the Red Cross in important service delivery. You know, I'm at the retirement age, and uh, watch out, Barry, you will be at that point before you know it. Uh, and there's some <laughs> yeah, ways I right. can recommend. Pardon me? I say, yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's our hope. Everybody wants to get to retirement and then enjoy, 
enjoy. But so many of our volunteers are, are retirees, but many are active uh, persons as well. And you can also work virtually. You don't have to go to with the advent of technology. We have volunteer positions that are also virtual to assist uh, people. So we can go online and find out how you can volunteer. Well, that's sort of what I was aiming at is that I, I have one friend who warned me. He said, when you retire, you think you'll play golf every day and just, you know, have fun and, and so on. But after about three months, he went out and got a job driving a school bus. And what I'm, what I'm really aiming at, I'm serious about this, is yep. that you don't need, if you've been working all your life and you still can get around and so on, having something to do uh, and, and adding your volunteer talents is, is a real contribution to society, and the Red Cross could be the aim of at least one of those. Uh, that's why I was oh, here with, with that. welcome yeah. them. Uh, whether you're retired, whether you've got four hours a week, four hours a month, or uh, or can volunteer 20 hours a week, there's a place for you in the American Red Cross, in our blood program, in our military programs, in teaching first aid, CPR, life-saving skills, driving blood to the hospitals, and getting the blood to the manufacturing areas to make it tested and safe. There are just hundreds of job opportunities, all which are rewarding, uh, and we... Um, would welcome anyone to give time, money, or blood to the American Red Cross, a non-government agency that must find its support from the American people. Uh, the website, I know, I, every time I, you're on, I, I prepare a little bit by checking over the websites, and I've noticed you've rearranged them a little bit. And uh, But you can find all the information about locations, about addresses, and about uh, email addresses and so on on, on the website. Uh, and I'm going to try to show off a little bit to make sure uh, in in my my place birthplace, Wayne County, Goldsboro, is the Red Cross office still on George Street? Yes, it is. Good job. It is still on George Street, right by the railroad tracks. Because every time I go for a meeting there or an activity, invariably the uh, the train will come a rumbling by. So we're, <laughs> we're just right near the uh, railroad tracks on uh, George Street. In Goldsboro, a great community and a very strong supporting community of the Red Cross programs there. His name is Barry Porter. He's the executive regional director for the American Red Cross chapters throughout eastern North Carolina, uh, up to just west of, of the Triangle. And uh, he is a, a guest that we always enjoy having because he brings an important message and the one the most important one tonight, if we had to rank them, has to do with giving blood. So if you can find a place that they're, they're holding a blood drive, uh, lie down on the table and, and, and give a pint. Uh, and uh, we, we hope Barry will come back and visit us pretty soon. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for the opportunity, Tom.